Um, you're welcome to the Simply Christ podcast today. We want to talk about love. I'm here with Adam. Hi, people. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Certainly. As usual, let me start with what is love? What is love? Well, I mean, many people define love in many different ways. That word is contested. And there isn't exactly one definition that uh, fits everybody. But I think um, when it comes to us Christians, Scott McKnight sort of paints it as being there for people with a goal to seek their good. So being committed to people with a goal that you are seeking their good. that, That is love, at least. That that would sort of line up with how we see God expressing his love towards us anyway. So as Christians, I would say that is a good place to start from if you want to talk about what love is. Okay. So when we say God is love, we hear that all the time. God is love. God is love. Mm. What was that? Well, you can say it starts off from the books in the New Testament, especially in the first, second John epistles. Um, where it talks about God being love. Um, and that is unusual in, in religious circles and religious history because the idea of God being love is actually unique, I would say, to us Christians. If you look at like Muslims, their expression of God will not be that God is love. Like They will talk about Allah being almighty. Allah is gracious. Allah is merciful. And those kinds of terms they, they they tend to dwell more on the the greatness and incomprehensibility of god um but this yeah but in in christian circles we talk of god being love not god is loving but god is love and that is actually meant to define everything else we understand about god and also even about us and how we relate to one another so when when we in Christianity say God is love, we are we are saying that the essence of who God is is love. To speak even in more Trinitarian terms, there are things that we talk about God, like God is holy or God is kind or God is whatever or God is mighty or whatever. But those things they are typically attributes that you will talk about in relation to the world like if you say god is great you are saying that because you are comparing him to the rest of the world if you say god is holy typically god is holy holiness is about being set apart and you would need let's say the existence of the world for god to be set apart from it and those things sort of pre-assume that maybe the world needs to exist before we can say those things about god Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh um if he's set apart, then it means he's set apart from other things else that existed. But if God existed, like, before, we Christians have always believed that since eternity, God has always existed. And it is at some point in eternity that he created the world. Then when we say God is love, we are saying something unique about him. In that we are saying that, like, that is his character even before the world was created. And that is part of the reason why we believe 
it's part of the reason, not the only reason, but it's part of the reason why we came up with the idea of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because mm. if God is love, even before human beings existed, even before the world existed, even before the Big Bang or whatever, then he must have existed in a certain form where he could express love. And so mm. it would make sense for him to, like, it makes sense with respect to what is written in scripture that you see God, a father and a son and the Holy Spirit working together. Mm. Yeah. And working towards one goal and one will. So for us Christians, love is actually supposed to center our understanding of God, of our human life, and of everything else. Sometimes people say, oh, well, and he is this and he is that. No, when we say God is love, that statement is is separate from any other thing else we can say about God. Mm. Okay. So, I mean, God is love. It takes you to 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7 says, dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Mm-hmm. But God, because God is love. Mm-hmm. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent mm-hmm. his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Mm-hmm. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent mm-hmm. his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Mm-hmm. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. Mm. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Mm. Okay, verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us, mm-hmm. God is love. Whoever loves in, whoever lives in love, lives in God, mm-hmm. and God in them. Mm-hmm. This is how love is made complete amongst us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Okay. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, mm-hmm. because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I mean, the writer couldn't put it any more directly. Yeah. Like, love defines who God is. So, if we are made in the image of such a person, then love is meant to define who we are. Mm. I don't think people reflect deeply enough on this. For example, that when we say love is being with for the benefit of God came in the person of Jesus Christ for our benefit, for our redemption from the clutches of sin that was holding us. He sacrificed himself for mm. our benefit. So that's what I'm saying. Not that we loved God, but he loved us. Mm. So love inevitably leads to some self-sacrifice mm. for the benefit of the other person. What we typically see in the world is Love so that I get something from the other person. <laughs> yeah. My next question is in line with um, what's the significance of Christ's love? Um, I think we have read, reading this whole thing gives us a bit about it. But let me read First John 3.16. Mm. This is how we know what love is. Mm. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 
what is the significance of Jesus Christ, of God's love for us through Jesus Christ? You know, many people have um, a certain view of God where it's like, oh, God is angry with the world, and then he, he sent Jesus Christ to come and die so that he will somehow be appeased. Yeah. Um, because he needed something because, to quench his anger. Yes, yeah. he needed something to Many people have pointed out that that is a seriously distorted view of God. It's, if, if you read what First uh, John is saying, it's God giving himself freely yeah. in the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah, to the people uh, who... Yes, to the people who supposedly and have who are, sinned yes. and have turned and, and he hates so much. Like a lot of the sacrifices that Jesus calls us to in this life do not make sense if we do not view God as in, in a Trinitarian sense mm. where he, from, from existence, has always been about love. Okay, so hold on. If um, the Trinitarian view, um, so God is love, we are looking at Jesus Christ saying that he's, um, God is love, he's talking about love and all of that. Maybe mm. Jesus is the loving one and God the Father is mm -hmm. the one who could get angry and destroy people in the Old Testament. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, that's the idea because I think that one of the things that fuels the idea is that um, God is an angry Mm. person when he looks at sin mm -hmm. when he sees sin yes so you like you need the blood yes. to cover yes. like the blood of his son to <laughs> cover and remind him that mm, you you can't kill these people mm -hmm. because you can't be angry at them because mm -hmm. the blood of your son mm -hmm. has done that so god jesus christ is the is the one who is keeping god from punishing us mm -hmm. Uh -huh. So when we talk about the Trinity, some people have it in that sense. And then mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is the one who is like, he's helping us on earth small, small, you know. Mm -hmm. But Jesus Christ is the one who came to do this duty so that he can keep God's angry self from Again, we are not reading First John. <laughs> Human beings, even the people of Israel, have always had a certain conception of God. That oh God is interested in sacrifice. If you do the right thing, God and say no. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Yeah. So in their thinking, I mean the gods we relate to them in a transactional manner. Yeah. The gods must need us in some way, shape, or form. So if we give them what they want, then they give us what we want. And uh, the prophets say no. You've always thought that this is how God was, but that's not how he is. Yes, how you uh -huh. wanted him to be. Yes. Yeah. And that works for us as human beings because then it means we can we can guarantee that what we want we'll yeah, get. Yeah, we'll get, yeah. All through human history, transactional religion always tops everything. Yeah. How to which is why I mean prosperity preaching is doing brilliantly in Ghana. Mm. Right. But Jesus comes in to change a lot of things about that perception. And he's challenging a lot of those ideas. The New Testament is revealing God's nature and character, which many people within the Old Testament and so on just didn't get. And, do, and so they wrote about God and spoke about God in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is trying to reveal to us that God is not like that. Mm -hmm. When the church sat down and said, you know what, based on how Jesus has revealed who God is to us, we need to think about him with a love-centered focus 
Mm. It is part of the reason why we came up with the Trinity. Like, you won't find a word in Scripture, yeah, but it but is out of a reflection of who Jesus is and how he revealed God's character to be like. Yeah. And Jesus keeps saying that, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. So if you've seen me as a loving person going about healing and so on and so forth, that is the character of the Father. Of the Father. It's not, oh, I am come to do the... Uh, nice and merciful things, but the father there, his character is different. No. Yeah. If you've seen Jesus, you have seen the father. That yeah. is how the father is like. Yeah. And by extension, that is what the Holy Spirit is also like. Mm-hmm. The clearest demonstration of what God, and here when I say God, I mean God the Father, God, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, what they are like is Jesus Christ being willing to go to the cross and experience a shameful death. Mm. Like that's the clearest, most dramatic show of what God's mm. character is like. I, I, because yeah. it's the extent to which God Himself is willing to show us His love by He Himself experiencing the Father experienced death. Yeah. Because He's connected to the Son and the Son is connected to the Spirit and they are all connected together. And the Father experienced what it feels like. Mm. You get me? To be human. To be human and, and to in the person of Jesus of Christ. Jesus. Yeah. So he can help us. So that Jesus can indeed be a mediator. So for me, a typical example is the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, he has taken the money, gone wherever he wants to do, gone to blow the money. Mm. And he decides, oh, I need to come back and go to my father, uh, even beg him just to be a slave. Now, people are not paying attention to the story. The father was not sitting down, drinking tea and cocoa, and then the son came in, and the son arrived and came to beg. Mm. The father was sitting outside, Looking and he saw the son coming, and he, an old man, ran to the son. Yeah. Which means after all the wickedness that the son has done to him, he's been sitting there waiting for him to come back. He's not an angry father. He's not an angry father. Ready to meet yeah, us. Like, yeah, like, yeah. You know, the way I would discipline him. No, 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 no. Yeah. And Jesus gave this parable to explain this to, to explain us. explain yeah. this to that this is what the father is like. Like, his love is so deep for us. And he is rather waiting for us. And... Chasing after us, let me rather put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So, for many who do not know so much of the history of how we came to have these ideas about God being angry and so on, mm. um, unless we want to go into the details of that, there's a recent development. God has never needed to be angry with us, and Jesus is trying to show us. But that. it's in the Bible. Uh, which is what? It's in the Bible that mm-hmm. God actually needed the rainbow to remind him mm-hmm. not to destroy the earth because mm-hmm. of the sin of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, so these are some of the things that fuel the whole thing yes. about God being angry mm-hmm. um, at the Egyptians mm-hmm. in favor of the, favor of the, of the Jews. And, and as people say that, that fuels prosperity gospel. To actually make people feel like if we stand with God, the other yeah, people, the yeah, right yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah. And people actually forget that the Jews were in that place for over 400 years. 
-hmm. And then the Egyptians were the lords. Mm -hmm. Over 400 years, people mm -hmm. lived and died. Mm -hmm. Like people's oh, generation. Oh, that's yeah. 12 generations of Yeah. People. And the people who were in Canaan that they were going to, mm -hmm. those people were also there chilling in the land filled with milk and honey. Mm -hmm. And this is where God was taking them. So all those people existed. Mm -hmm. And they didn't sound like they were Jews. Yeah, no, no, they were not Jews. Yeah, yeah. They didn't sound like they were very good people who were mm, doing, no, no, yeah, no. uh-huh. So, in the end, um, I think actually the Old Testament shows us how much God loves, like Jesus Christ says that God loves both the wicked and the good mm -hmm, alike. Mm -hmm. But the narrative that we, when we listen to it, we listen to it with some part of our hearing, trying to make sure that it justifies our specialness as people of God. us talk about romantic love mm -hmm. um where did that want to come from oh but romantic love has always been mm. well i mean romantic marriage has always no been the, the romantic yeah. love that we talk about now what should a christian's perspective be on romantic love we need to define what romantic love is. um like, let me see you romantic so love Who I, I, I think it let, let me see if i can help with that so it's like where typically Two people meet each other and feel we use the words they are falling in love with each other so maybe there's an instant attraction a strong attraction a very strong attraction and that leads them to feel that um, maybe they were meant for each other or <laughs> they were no, no like god has brought them together in christian circles mm. typically it's like yeah this is the one that God said I should marry, or some, all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and typically, people are very emotional about it, and, and mm. so on. And also have the perception that this person is going to fulfill all my needs going forward, like to be the embodiment of all my dreams and whatnot. Mm. And unfortunately, it's the currency of the day because. All, all the music, uh, movies, uh, everywhere, that story sells. I don't know where, where you will turn and you will not find that. <laughs> like it's it so flows within our culture and our within the world, not just our culture, we're not just Ghana. Like within the world, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the notions of finding this perfect person whom you are going to spend the rest of your life with because he's the one. I think those those also are actually quite recent things. So I think it starts off with people being able to make a choice as to whom they will marry. Uh. So the ideas of people falling in love with this particular person and feeling like that's the perfect person for them, that's always existed in some way, shape or form. Uh. But they, they couldn't really act on it because we are cultures, not just Ghanaian, but Western culture and so on, still had that thing where your parents dictated who you got married to. So even like uh, stories like Romeo and Juliet, yeah, it's a tragedy. Yeah. Because 
they end up dying. Yeah, uh -huh. because they wanted to do because achieve this achieve romantic something which is not yeah. actually um, the norm of the day. The norm of the day. Yeah. So even when you see romantic stories in what we are viewing it as. Oh, Romeo and Juliet. But it's actually a tragedy. It's meant to say that Happily ever after. this is not how it's supposed to go. And those yeah. who go that we tend to have all sorts of whatever. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So because at that, that that time, yes, certainly the attraction will be there. People will say, like, this is a person I want to be with. But it's your parents who dictate who you get married to. But it was a, so, it was a win for the love devotees, the, the romance devotees. They were quite waiting for Romeo and Juliet uh -huh. to pass as a tragedy. And then we got to the level where now, and they, have, and they lived happily ever after. Uh, so, so, so obviously, the world needed to change in terms of people sort of began to allow their children to make choices mm -hmm. of who they were going to get married to. And then this uh, idea of ah okay so then this is the one that is meant for me you know yeah now broke loose and we are swimming in that everywhere you go uh -huh, everywhere you go most parents are not most because maybe there are still a few parents who insist who you should marry get married to but i think most parents even in christian circles will probably leave you alone to make your own choice um but if love is defined by god then we should apply the same principles when it comes to Christian, like romantic relationships or relationships leading to marriage and beyond marriage and so on. It's a relationship in which we are committed to one another for the benefit of one another, for the good of uh, one another, for what would make one another progress. Forward. Uh, but hold on, a question. So, love, I mean, romantic love mm -hmm. coming in there, you love everybody. Of course, you are supposed to yeah, love you, everybody. You, you That's, love everybody. I mean, yeah, to love your neighbor as yourself yeah, and yeah, all of that. Yeah. yeah. So why are we loving one person? So is that an exclusive, different kind of love for one person? Because I know that ladies look out for a guy who is kind to other people as well. Mm -hmm. Not that he's he's only nice to you. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. mm -hmm. So as a Christian, because it looks like, Christians like to be exclusively loving towards some particular people who they feel are Christians mm -hmm. and who they feel like they benefit from them. This mm -hmm. person has mm -hmm. been good to me, mm -hmm. blah, blah. Mm -hmm. We like that. If we know, by chance, by divine revelation, mm -hmm. that the person is, is my destiny, destiny helper, helper. <laughs> that one will be nice to the person. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. But when we see somebody who is not like us, mm -hmm. somebody who has Rasta, Mm -hmm. somebody who is a beggar not yeah. well dressed mm -hmm. when they enter into the church mm -hmm. and they smell terrible then it means that we want to push them aside mm -hmm. like what's the um the dichotomy between this romantic nice good mar get married mm -hmm. love and then love for your family okay. and then the love for this your neighbor as yourself mm -hmm. yeah so certainly there are different levels or depths to love in in human cycles no matter what it is like there are people who you consider to be like very close friends that you do certain things for which and you you will not do them for other people i mean sociologists have established that there's a limit to how many relationships you can have which are meaningful relationships mm. so by all means there will be some picking and choosing for us as Christians, one of the things we look at when it comes to 
marriage is that it, it is that relationship that is the closest mirror of the relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is the closest one that mirrors the Trinitarian relationship. So we believe that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are different persons. They together are God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, together. Uh-huh. So when we talk of God, we Christians, when we talk of God, we should not think of one person sitting on some throne somewhere. Which is what I mean. Even some of the artists and so on have made us think of oh God, some old man with a white beard mm. sitting somewhere. When we say the word God, we mean God in three persons: the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who exists that way because of love that exists between them. So marriage is that the closest relationship that mirrors some of that, mm. some of the intimacy. Uh, that exists in the, um, the 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 Godhead, the Swiss mm. So that's why it tends to have that specialness, mm. uh-huh. and it will always have that specialness. And again, if we are letting Jesus Christ and the Church's understanding of God and the Godhead define what love is, first, because when God wanted to show the human beings He has created love, He Himself experienced the worst. On their behalf, in in the same way, it should actually dictate how our marital and whatever relationships be like. Mm. But then it doesn't mean that we do not have some form of that love responsibility towards those within our churches and and within our communities. So the key thing is that our churches are supposed to be places where we can exhibit some of that love. For example, if Jesus Christ, who is showing us who God is like, Jesus walking on the streets, spending his time with all the wrong people mm. uh, in, of his time, and that is who God is like, then it raises questions about how we treat people who don't fit within our comfort zones. Yeah. Because if God is like this, then we who are made in his image, and that's a very important thing, we are made in the image of a certain God. So he, that God's character should be our character. Yeah. And so if we are not the people who take his love seriously so that we can mirror it to other people, mm. then we are missing something. Mm. I, I hope you get me. So yeah. in, in this case where somebody that looks a bit here and then we are treating them in a certain way, <laughs> we are missing a huge point. So marriage is actually a place where we actually learn how to love. As Christians, basically, we are always in the school of love. We are learning how to love. We meet people who are so probably So I, I would rather put it mm-hmm. this way, that the church is where we learn how to love. Mm-hmm. And the furthest form we can take it is marriage. Okay. But it's the church that we learn how to love because it's a place where we have multiple people of different cultures, what yeah. or whatever, coming together and making a decision that we are going to be together. Mm. Uh-huh. So, if that is where we are beginning to actually learn what it is like to love. And for those who have, I'll use the phrase that Paul used, those who are, uh, who are able to participate in the gifts of marriage, because that's what Paul said. Mm-hmm. Marriage is a gift. It's not everybody who is supposed to be in it. That those who are able to participate in the gift called marriage, they get to take that a bit further. 
mm. than what will exist within church. Mm. I, I hope you, you, you get a picture. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. You get to take it further because now it's you and somebody you met from somewhere. You, do, you don't know the person through and through. But I the mean, same way in which we say we are committed to one another and therefore we are going to stick with each other, which we practice in marriage, is actually the same way in which we should also practice that commitment to one another. So, in church. Yeah. Okay. But it looks like we, I think we have a, a quite warped reality of what marriage is because of how we feel when we meet people and we are attracted to them. So because mm-hmm. of attraction, mm-hmm. we are kind of like, oh, yes, yes, yes. And then we now get to a place where we realize that even though there is attraction, there is always still differences between the people mm-hmm. because they are coming from different backgrounds mm-hmm. and different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And there's always friction. Mm-hmm. And that friction is actually also there mm-hmm. to let us see how different we are. Because some people, when we meet them, the first thing we see is the friction. Mm-hmm. Is the places that mm-hmm. we do not align. So we mm-hmm. feel like, oh, then we want to walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Which is why you would find a lot of churches would want, uh, it's what I call homogeneous churches. So mm-hmm. you find yeah. they are all of the same. Of the same caliber. Same caliber. Yeah. Or people want to relate to only those who are of their same quote-unquote class. Mm. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Uh-huh. Um, and then if, a, if somebody or walks or in there who is not, then that person that. is a very strange person mm-hmm. and then that person cannot yeah. fit in there. Yeah. Yeah. We are, so we are not, for, and these are churches where you find many people who are married, but we are not learning the key lesson that God wants us to learn yeah. from marriage, which is that if you people claim that you love each other, cry, look at the friction that is, can exist amongst you. Yeah, yeah. And yet you are able to work it out and live it for each other and yeah. make sacrifices for each other, mm. support each other, and push each other. Yeah. Then you should know that when you have met somebody who are not, are not attracted to whatever and so on, you will still have some of those same frictions. Mm. But the commitment to one another should be. is what yeah. is going to help you to overcome it. Uh, by the help of the Holy Spirit. Mm. the duty of the Christian with respect to loving. We are supposed to love one another. What did Jesus Christ teach us on love? It's interesting. So somebody asked Jesus what was the most important commandment and he said love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The with all your mind part is interesting because in previous That's he was not, putting the yeah. economy 6 4. That's and not they, what said. Were, they didn't add with all your mind. Mm. So it's important. Our mind is also very important. To honor, say you are doing fasting and prayers for your wife, and you are not using your mind to discern. It's, <laughs> the mind is very important. And then there he adds, and the second is love your neighbor. Neighbor yourself, yeah. And then the interesting thing is Jesus then tells his disciples that uh, you need to take what I said way back then, like more seriously. In John thirteen thirty four, he says that. You should love one another just as I have loved you. Yeah. So that is like how deep how their love should be for one another. Mm. The way in which Jesus has loved them. Yeah. And that was even before he, he was about to show them the depth of his love 
by him going to the cross mm. and dying for them. For us, love is central to the identity of us Christians. Mm. It's not blessings. It's not riches. It's not prosperity. It's love. It's love. That's the number one thing that identifies a Christian. I should identify a Christian. Yes. So, people, oh, and well, uh, he, but, but he has won so many souls. Oh, I don't care about that. Mm, you're winning oh, souls. Um, but he has 50,000 churches. I don't care about that. When he's busily cursing his uh, ex pastors and whatnot, I would consider somebody like that somebody who is just totally lost and confused and yeah. not somebody to, to follow. Yeah, anyway, what did Jesus Christ teach us about how to treat people? And Jesus Christ says that if you did it not to the least of this, you did not to yeah. me. And, and, it's, and how we can throw that scripture away and just decide that we are doing the work of God mm -hmm. and we are calling, um, yeah, it's a weird one. Hmm. So God is love and expects us to love like he loved us. Mm. So it's a question of identity. If mm. you are made in an image of a certain person, the idea of being made in an image of a God is that you reflect his behavior and character. Mm. Yeah. That's what that term means in ancient Near Eastern term, when mm. that phrase was used when the, the Moses wrote Genesis. All right? mm. that, but that's why God told the Israelites, do not put any image in your temples because you yourself are my image. Mm. Uh -huh. So you represent me. But what is most important about your representation is that you represent me in terms of my character. Mm. People don't want to do that one. They yeah. want to re want the power represent the power. him in the power, in mm -hmm. the wealth, in the riches. and. But that is, like, that's what the devil said he would give Jesus Christ. And he said, I won't take it. Mm -hmm. Scripture has said clearly that there are other powers in this world. Yeah. So, to think that power is the display of what God is like, is to miss a very, very fundamental point. The principalities and the powers of this world are incapable of love. Mm -hmm. Because that is not their nature. That is not their essence. Yeah, we be made in the image of a God who is, by definition, love. Means that that is the most important characteristic of his that we must show. Mm. Not the power and the prestige and the whatnot. Because mm. the devil is capable of giving all of that. Hmm. Interesting. So God is love. Mm -hmm. And we are... So Jesus Christ says that we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. And he didn't say, I am the light of the world. You are my reflection. He said, you are the light of the world. Mm -hmm. You are the salt of the earth. And we have to affect the world around us. Not with any, any, anything, not with wealth, not with all the power, mm -hmm. showing people that we are powerful people. Mm -hmm. But show them like Jesus Christ, love, love. So love is the roots through which we we channel power and riches rightly. It's the canal that the power and the whatever must flow through. Yeah. If it doesn't flow through that, it just breaks out and destroys. It mm. destroys us and it destroys other people. Mm. 
So love is the channel. Mm. Love is the main thing. Mm-hmm. You need, we need love first before we even try to handle power and wealth yes. and fame and all of that. That's the first thing that we have to teach our children and our, our constituents and the people around us and to show them, to teach them. And actually to teach them is to disciple them, is mm-hmm. to give them the example, to mm-hmm. be the example of love for them so that they can see this love in us and that will because that's what Christ did mm-hmm. um, showing love enough to die for them mm-hmm. even though the people hated him and wanted him dead mm-hmm. he died mm-hmm. and then came back and told his disciples that do likewise anyway so um, do you have any final things to add I'm talking about romantic love and relationships and whatnot. If we ground ourselves in, in the understanding of God himself as love, mm-hmm. in the understanding of Jesus as the demonstration of the love of God, not as the one who is just getting us off the hook, but the one who, is, who demonstrates how much God loves us. It changes the way you relate to people. It changes your relationship, your relationship with your wife, your children, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. And... The way you visualize God in your head always determines everything else about your life. Mm. So, for re- relationships and families and marriages that can really re- represent, in some small way, the Trinitarian love of God, we need to think of God well and center His love. That God is love. Mm. You know, you- God is loving. Mm. God, God is, is love. It is who He is. Yeah. So, uh, okay. A question. Um, uh, just thinking about this. So, as somebody who loves, is is there a way in which we treat children? Um, I mean, we treat children different from adults, different from the rich, different from the poor. Isn't it the same principle of love? that we will give them yes, and to the, love them. The same principle will apply, but the need of each person is different at any point in time. Mm-hmm. So it always requires a certain work of discernment and typically like doing it with other people, not just one. Yeah, so love is, is not something that you can have unless you have knowledge. You need to seek out knowledge to, um, yeah. to love. One, the first knowledge part of it is like Jesus himself. Make sure you understand him himself mm-hmm. and why love is central to like even understanding God and understanding Jesus Christ. Then secondly, um, if that is like if that is who God is and he loves all sorts of people in this world, then it behoves us to be to start with patience towards everybody. Mm. Because one of the key things that many people don't get is by virtue of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection on the cross, everybody is now of equal worth before God. Mm. The Muslim, the Hindu, the whatever. We are all of equal worth. There is nobody who is... It's not what we do which makes us more worthy before God. The Christian life is... For our own benefit in terms of how we become more and more like Jesus. In terms of our own maturity. Mm. 
we are all of equal worth before God. So it means we need to take our time. One, right? If you meet somebody, anybody, that person is made in the image of God in the same way as we are. Oh. Which means we must respect that worth that is on oh. that person in the same way as we are. It doesn't matter if they are gay, they are lesbian, they are rasta, they are whatever. So that's, that's I'm hearing more of um, empathy. So we have to listen to people. So that, we have to be patient with people to hear their so story. So then the next step is the, um, uh, the way we can be loving to somebody, if we establish the worth part that he's mm. of equal worth to me. So I'm in no way better than him and he's no way better than me. Mm. Once we establish that part, then already we are open now to the person. Then, of course, the next bit will be, what is this person's story? What is this person's history? What is this person about? Like, getting to know the person. Mm. So that then the way in which we can be loving towards that person beyond just agreeing that they are actually of the same equal worth with us before God, Mm. would be tuned and tailored to that person's actual history and life and story. And story, yeah. yeah. Because we have to love people from their side. We can't love people in a way that that suits doesn't us. work. Uh-huh, that suits yeah, because us. Because that's what I'm saying, being with for the benefit of. Yeah, and that's what Jesus Christ did. Yes. So and he came over to our side yes. to see how and be he could beneficial love. Yes, beneficial to us, to us. Where we needed it the most. Yeah. So... You, you are with for the benefit of. Mm. And what may benefit this one person is different from what may what benefit, may benefit. So But we, your decision to be with them is the starting point. Helps you, point. yeah. Like, mm. the decision to say, this guy is worth being here in our company. That's the starting point. Then, okay, for the benefit of, how do we get to know this person and understand them better? understand so that we can be beneficial to that person mm. okay okay i think when we say empathy it sounds like some big word that we have to go into deeper understandings of mm. but i think jesus christ expressed it when he came down f- from our side mm. and basically sat down with people and listened and listened and mm. listened before he started teaching 30 years mm-hmm. and then he started talking about loving people from their side so another thing about love that I notice is that it's actually gaining enough knowledge to know exactly what the person needs mm-hmm. if jesus had come and said that what mm-hmm. do you need obviously we would have said that charlie give us some more cash mm-hmm. you know give us but some more the, gold or something like, uh-huh. it's not money that we need yeah it's not money that we need but he came down mm-hmm. and walked amongst us mm-hmm. and was discerning enough to figure out what we actually needed mm-hmm. and then gave that to us mm-hmm. so for us as christians one of the key points is that one love takes time yeah so we just need to realize that that's why you need commitment because commitment is what says okay i'm here for you mm. i'm not going out. i can't not, go anywhere no, we are not going i anywhere. can't so go let's anywhere work yeah. this one out so one, love takes time. Two, love is reciprocal. So that it's not I am here to just solve your problems, but you are actually here to also solve my problems, like affect my life in a certain way. Mm. And which is one of the things like sometimes when you are the more wealthy person, you feel you are the only person who always needs to do this or that or the other for people. But there are times when 
by virtue of you being there for them, they also want to do something for you. And they are not as rich as you. Yeah, but they but can but they, they, they can, can actually also, be yeah. very useful and helpful to you. To you, yeah. And you should give them the opportunity to because it's a way in which you mm. deepen the relationship. But it's also costly in terms of time, energy, effort, reputation. Because yeah. your decision to just be loving with, towards yeah. some other people would cause you reputational damage somewhere. Mm. You have accepted them and you are doing this yeah. and will not relate with you again. So there is a cost to love. For you on the question of empathy, that is part of the reason why we, the Christian teaching of the incarnation exists. That God entered into this world, not as a superhuman, but as a human so that he can experience what we experience. And even if God himself experiences that for us, then mm. I don't see why yeah. we find empathy to be you know, difficult. difficult. Yeah, so it means we'll that we need to listen. I think getting to listen to people and listen to people with the intent of actually <laughs> listening to them, because sometimes we listen to people, what we want to hear is what we hear. Mm. Uh-huh. And they would have told us the story over and over again mm. and so i mean means that we are still learning it's a mm-hmm. learning process we can listen and not listen well and mm. we need to be given a chance to listen again mm. we need to learn how to do this one because mm. we are not very natural at it i mean i understand that it's something that we both parties have to sit down and and understand that this is it mm. so it makes it be easier for the church who have been in a context, in a crucible, let me say. So we are stuck there. We've decided to be stuck there and we are learning from each other. It makes it easier for us to love the world. Yeah, Even right. if they hate us, yeah. we could, because yeah. You've learned, that's why the church is your discipleship ground. That's where you mm. learn the, the hard stuff. So you can carry it into the world. So I think I will come back to a discussion on, on what the work of God is and what the mandate of Jesus Christ, what he said we should going to do because people have decided that so long as you are going out there screaming on the streets and saying that repent mm-hmm. and be baptized and, mm-hmm. and all of that, then that means that you are doing the work of God and love doesn't matter anymore and the way your fruits don't matter, the way you treat people doesn't matter. I mean, so we will have that conversation also in later. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us on the Simply Christ podcast. Thank you for listening to the Simply Christ podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Connect with us on YouTube at Simply Christ Ministries and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at SC Minog. If you like what we do and want to support us, please do so generously at scmin.org slash give. May God be with you until we meet again.